Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. You bring blessing everywhere you go. You bring freedom. You bring liberty. Out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Colossians 3 and verse 14. And above all these, put on love and enfold yourselves with a bond of perfectness which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. So we put on love like we put on our clothes. We put it on, we wear it. And this love is what brings harmony, it brings unity. When we walk in love, there will be a unity in the body when, and in the family. When we are not walking in love, then there is no unity, there's division. There is strength in unity. Jesus said that if two or more gather together in his name and who stand in agreement, it'll be done according. So the devil doesn't want agreement. The devil doesn't want a husband and wife walking in harmony and in agreement and praying together and believing God together, joining their faith, because he knows that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000. So it doesn't double, it multiplies. It's multiplied by 10, not by two. Amen. Amen. So he's gonna do everything he can to divide and to bring strife, so to, to cause you to become ineffective against him. So when you're walking in love and you're walking in unity, you present a united front and you plow him out of the way. He doesn't have a chance. You're there covering one another. You're there protecting one another. You're there taking care of each other. Amen. And God's will is done in your life and everybody around you and not the devil's will. Philippians 2 Verse 1 through 11. So, by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, by whatever strengthening, consoling, and encouraging our relationship in Him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share, and by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy, fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one purpose. And, and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. Do nothing from factional motives, through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Let each one of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also each for the interests of others. Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a, surf, a servant or a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after... He had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that in and at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue 
frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus humbled himself, he has been exalted to such a place that every knee, every knee, that means even devil knee, even devil knee has got a bow. They might not want to, but they have to. So everybody, everybody that's ever lived, every human being in heaven, hell, on the earth will bow their knee. So it would be better if you chose to bow or you, could, you can choose or you can be forced to. But everybody will bow. Why? Because he humbled himself, because he was God. But he didn't sit up on his throne and go, well, I'm God. I don't need to come down there and help the, those jerky people. No, he humbled himself. God humbled himself to regard the earth. Jesus humbled himself and came to die the death of the cross. And so God's asking us not to do things out of strife and selfishness and arrogance, but to humble ourselves. It takes humility to walk in love. And we have to walk in love. If you are God's child, you must. It's not an option. It's not optional. You must walk in love. If for, for your own blessing and for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, you might not understand why you need to walk. Well, what? I don't see why I need to walk in love toward that guy. I mean, he's just a jerk. He's always gonna be a jerk. He's never not. I don't see why I need to. It doesn't matter. I don't have to walk in love toward him. You don't know God's plan. And beside that, it's not just what God wants to do in that person's life, but it's your own heart. There's a lot of things we've chosen to do to just to, to protect our heart. Amen. You know, when, when revival broke out in 89, we went on for a season and God brought, you know, God took us still through, you know, we still had a, we all still felt like we were at the backside of the mountain, you know, and then, and, and then like, uh, March of 93, we came to Carpenter's home. The thing blew open. They put us on TV. They put us on radio. Everybody found out that we were there. The thing went to Toronto. Out of there, it went international, which opened doors to us internationally. And uh, at that time, everybody wanted us. Everybody wanted us. But a lot of people wanted us because they heard, you know, the numbers increase and offering goes up. Or because it was like... Um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that have speaker after speaker after speaker in their church, and it's like, to get the crowds there, it's like the daily circus. I mean, you're the flavor of the month. It's like, okay, let's see what you can do. Let's see what tricks you can do. And that's how it felt. And so, you know, the Lord had already taught us and told us some things of, uh, we didn't go to everybody, even before that, we didn't go to everybody's church that invited us. God gave us a few criteria. And if, if those criteria weren't met, we didn't go. If the pastor was squabbling over the offering, the Lord said, if he fights over the money, he's gonna, he's gonna fight for, con if he's fighting for control over the money, he's gonna fight for control over the anointing. And he's gonna stop you. And, that's, and you know what, if someone doesn't agree with what we're doing, that's fine, but don't invite us to your church. You know, don't, don't well, I don't like that laughing stuff, but come and teach on the offering. No, it's a package deal. Amen. And so it's, we, 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 otherwise you, you feel like you're a, a woman that gets paid for her services. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you can't. You gotta, you gotta go where people are hungry. You gotta go where they want revival. Because let me tell you, revival, as Pastor Rodney says, can shut churches down. So we would tell pastors, hey, are you sure you want this? Because it's gonna clean out some stuff. We had one church of several thousand people. About, I think, three quarters of the church came up in the altar call. The pastor said, they didn't understand you. Now, we speak English, and they speak English. He said... They didn't understand you. So we said, 
Okay, so Pastor Rodney said, everybody sit down. He gave it again. More people came. <laughs> the pastor wasn't very impressed. I mean, that, that's but humiliating with the pastor with the whole church comes out. But you know what? He should have been blessed because it, it was basically a salvation and rededication call and that meant they were all hungry. But it also meant he wasn't preaching anything that, that brought that conviction to their heart. <laughs> Amen. But, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a package deal. And we, we couldn't go somewhere where we were just going to be another flavor of the month. And so we had to turn a lot of things down. We could have we pushed the ministry. We could have got in with certain people. We could have packaged it a certain way and, 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 and been at a different place. But we chose to pull back on some things to protect our heart, to protect our family. Amen. There's a lot of ministers out there that they're slogging it out and their families are suffering. Sometimes you've got to pull back to protect your marriage, to protect your family. That's love. That, that's walking in humility. That's not overestimating yourself. That's not, well, I'm a star and I need to be up there doing that. Hey, no, you need to, just, you need to go home and take care of your kid. Amen. And so we have to prioritize and know what's important. And so we must not be arrogant, not be pushy and shovey and try to, you know, we've had some people come in that way and they have an arrogance and they, they try to pull people out after them and next thing you know, they're trying to have little Bible studies and it's not because they want to bless anybody, but it's because they, they want to control some people. And we had to tell some people, look, you, you know, you can't do that. It's like, you know, that's, that's how cult leaders are. They control people. Don't allow people to control you. That's not right. I mean, I, we, we've had, we had one situation where we um, had a, a particular person that, that had gone through a really rough time in their life and we, we, God used us to bring restoration in their life and the situation they came out of, it was actually a divorce. The, the, the husband was, in, everything, was, everything was very controlled. They controlled everybody, they manipulated everybody. And, and you know, when, when this person came, they tried to tell us, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And we were like, hello. <laughs> we saw how that thing ended up. We don't want the beginning of it. If you don't like how someone ended up, don't do what they're doing in the big, you know. Do, do things differently. And so, and, and this person, after, you know, God did a, a healing in their life and they, they went back and saw those people again and came back and they came back to my husband and they said, you don't control anybody. You don't, and we were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We haven't done it this way. We haven't done things this way because we're not gonna control people. Amen. Yeah. We're not gonna be arrogant and think that we know everything and we can tell everybody what to do. I mean, sometimes people come and they want you to tell them what to do. And, and we have to say, ask the Holy Spirit. Find out from God what he wants. We can't tell you. You know, now if God gives us a word for you, we can say, go and do it or don't go and do it. But if he doesn't, and there's some people that we knew they were making the wrong move and the Lord just said, they won't receive it. Don't say anything. And so you have to be led by the Spirit in it. You don't know everything. Don't, don't be arrogant. Don't be you know, don't try and run other people's lives. Pursue peace, 2 Timothy 2.22. 2 Timothy 2.22. Shun youthful lusts, flee from them. Amen and pursue righteousness, all that is virtuous and good, right living, conformity to the will of God in thought, word, and deed. And amen and pursue faith, love, and peace, harmony and concord with others in fellowship with all Christians who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Love is our motivation to win souls. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 18. For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. 
And he died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he's a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual, spiritual condition has passed away, behold, the fresh and new has come. But all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to him, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. And so we don't know people after the flesh any longer, but after, after the spirit. You know, there's a lot of times, which is really sad in the body of Christ, is people will follow after a gift and not character. They will, they will elevate someone because of their gift and not because of their character. And there's some people that have got a great gift and they, they lack character. And yet we, we put them on a pedestal. We need to look up to people who have character. And the gifts are awesome, that's wonderful, but look for the character. Amen. Amen. If we know God, we know love. If we know love, we know God. If we're walking in love, that's the evidence that we know God. You can't tell me that you know God and you're a, you're a backbiter and a gossiper and, and, and you're fighting with everybody. You don't know him yet. First John 4. John was the, the disciple that it talks about that Jesus loved. And, and John talks the most about love and records you know, Jesus' words on love, on the Holy Spirit. And, and then he goes on further in, in, in the epistles and the whole thing almost is about, is about love. Obviously, he had an awesome revelation about love and he was the only disciple that, that apparently was not martyred. He, he lived out his whole life. Beloved, let us love one another. This is verse seven of chapter four. Beloved, let us love one another for love springs from God and he who loves his fellow man, 1 John 4, 7 through 21, and he who loves his fellow man is begotten and born of God and is coming progressively to know and understand God. We are progressively coming to know God as we grow in our love walk, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of him. He who does not love has not become acquainted with God and does not and never did know him. For God is love. So if you don't know love, you've never become acquainted with God. In this, is the love, in this love of God was made manifest and displayed where we are concerned, in that God sent his son, the only begotten or unique son, into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us so very much, we ought also ought to love one another. No man has at any time yet seen God, but if we love one another, God abides, lives, and remains in us, and his love that love which is essentially his is brought to completion to its full maturity, runs its full course, and is perfected in us. Nobody's actually seen God, but if we love one another, we know that he lives in us. So people can actually see God in you. They might not be able to see him personally because you can't look at God and live. But we can look at his people and see him. 
By this we come to know, perceive, recognize, and understand that we abide, live, and remain in him, and he in us, because he has given and imparted to us of his Holy Spirit. And besides, we ourselves have seen and have deliberately and steadfastly contemplated and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Anyone who confesses and acknowledges and owns that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides, lives, and makes his home in him, and he abides, lives, and makes his home in God. And we know, understand, recognize, and are conscious of by observation and by experience, and believe, adhere to, and put faith and rely on the love that God cherishes for us. So we know that God loves us and we know it by observation, we know by reading in the world and we know it with the word and we know by experience. He's demonstrated his love to us. He shows us his love. He wraps his arms around us. Amen. Anytime we're in his presence, we sense the love of God. So it's by experience. God cherishes us. He cherishes. We're, we're his special treasure. God is love. He who dwells and continues in love, dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. It's not just something you try, it's something you live. You continue on in the love walk. In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection in us so that we might have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. You know, the Bible talks about how, how the fear of death held people in bondage for generations. Fear of death. But we don't fear death because we're living now in eternal life. We already, you have it now. You're not gonna have it. You already have eternal life. All you're gonna do, you're gonna step over into the next realm. You're gonna take this body off like a coat. Just step on over. We don't have to fear death. It's just a transition. It, it, it's a step up. Amen. As we walk in love, we get to know God more. He is reproduced in us. We become like him. We are no longer afraid to face him on the day of judgment. We lose our fear of death, but we also lose our fear of being judged. A person who is afraid of God, and God's up there with a big stick, as, you know, has, has not been perfected in the love walk. When you're perfected in your love walk, you understand how much God loves you and you're no longer afraid of his judgment. When you love other people and you show mercy, you're not afraid because you know that God is gonna show mercy to you. You have shown mercy to others and you expect his mercy. You're not afraid to face him. And so this is not just for other people, it's for you. It's for you when you walk in mercy, it's for you. It's for you so that you can have boldness on the day of judgment and stand in front of him and look him in the eyes and not stand like this and not weep and cry at everything you've lost and missed and lacked. Amen. When you walk in love, you will lack nothing on that day. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We love him because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates, detests, abominates his brother in Christ, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this command, charge, order, and injunction we have from him that he who loves God shall love his brother believer also. Amen. It's not 
an option, it's a command. First John chapter five, verse one through five. Everyone who believes on the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah is a born again child of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him, his offspring. By this we come to know and recognize and understand that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. When we keep his ordinances and are mindful of his precepts and his teaching, for the true love of God is this, that we do his commands, keep his ordinances and are mindful of his precepts and teaching. And these orders of his are not irksome, they're not burdensome, oppressive or grievous. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. Who is that? Who is it that is victorious over and that conquers the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on that fact. So God's commands are not irksome, they're not burdensome, oppressive, or grievous. He said, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not a hard thing that he's asked of us to walk in the love of God. When loving God and loving your neighbor fulfills all the law and the prophets, that's easy, that's much easier than going back to the law and trying to keep every jot and every tittle. And if you've never tried to, you go try and you will, because some people think it's too hard to walk in love, it's too hard to love that person. But God said it's not too hard, it's not too painful, it's not torture. It might feel like torture in the beginning, but it's just torturing your flesh because your flesh wants to fight. <laughs> your flesh wants to be right. Your flesh wants to win the argument. Amen. amen. You can say amen or oh me. <laughs> John 14 and verse 15. This is just a regular book of John, Gospel of John 14, 15. If you really love me, you'll obey my commands. And then if you run down to verse 21, we're gonna read same, same uh, chapter 14, verse 21 through 24. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him. And I will show and reveal and manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make himself real to him. You know, Jesus agapes everybody, sinners and saints alike, but he phileos those that love him and obey him. So not only will God agape you, but he will phileo you, he will love you with tender affection like a dear friend. Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, Judas not Iscariot asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself and make yourself real to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he'll keep my word and obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, will come to him, make a home, abode, special dwelling place with him. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teaching. And the teaching which you hear and heed is not mine, but comes from the Father who sent me. Anybody who's disobedient to the word of God does not love God. They might say, I'm a, I'm a born again Christian. So just remember this, before you like hook up with someone, before you marry them, they might say, oh, I love God. They might come to church every Sunday, but if they don't walk it out in their daily life, they don't love God. Don't marry them, don't look at things and think, oh, that'll be okay, that'll be fixed when we're married. No, it won't, it'll get worse. Now, we're not all perfect, but it's kind of like the man said, getting married, it's kind of like flying an airplane. It doesn't matter what color the seats are, but it sure does matter what condition the engines are in, and the wings, and the fuselage, and the tail, and the wheels, amen. 
So there's some things that, that are important and there's other things that, that, that are not, but and wisdom is knowing the difference. Amen. Because there's some people that are just so picky, 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 you know, they're never gonna get married. So, you know, don't, don't tell me you're looking for a mate. <laughs> don't tell me you're looking for someone and you just got this, this long forever list. Because you know what, maybe, maybe God can supernaturally create that person out of something and bring them to you, but it's probably gonna take a while. <laughs> so, you know, why don't you ask God to bring you the person that he knows is right for you? Amen, Amen. I think he'll do a pretty good job. I know he did for me. <laughs> John 15, nine through 17. I've loved you just as the Father's loved me. Abide in my love, continue in his love with me. If you keep my commandments, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it just as I've obeyed my Father's commandments and live on in his love. I've told you these things that my joy and delight may, might be in you and that your joy and gladness might be a full measure and complete and overflowing. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you. No one has greater love. No one has shown stronger affection than to lay down and give up his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing the things which I command you to do. I do not call you servants or slaves any longer, for the servant does not know what his master is doing or working out. But I've called you my friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. I revealed to you everything I've heard from him. Remember what God did with Abraham? He said, I'm about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but hello, I just cut a covenant with Abraham. He's my friend. I have to tell him what I'm what, what I'm doing. If you're God's friend, if you love him, if you walk with him, God will tell you. You will know. You will know by the Holy Spirit. What does the future hold? You'll know in your heart what God's doing. You might not see the whole thing. You're looking through a glass darkly, but you'll know what's coming down. You'll, the, the Holy Spirit usually deals with all of us. Obviously, every one of us is different. We're at a different place with the Lord. But in general, where God is taking the church, you know, we'll be saying something. And then we'll hear someone else saying the same thing. God is leading us all in the same way because we are his friends, he is telling us what he is doing. But if you're not his friend, you're not gonna know, you won't have a clue, you'll be blindsided. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, I've appointed you, I've planted you, so that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing that your fruit may be lasting, that it may be, remain and abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This is what I command you, that you love one another. God will never forget the sacrifices you make. Everything you do for God, nothing, nothing, of it will he forget, he will, he will not overlook anything. You know, sometimes when we sow seeds, a harvest takes a while to come, but it will come. God will never forget the sacrifices you make. He will never forget the things that you do to humble yourself, to obey him. Amen. Especially when people are persecuting you. I mean, they're really, they're just putting more jewels in, their, in your crown, they really are. They're building up the gold, jewels, and precious stones in your life. When you walk in love toward them and they're being ugly to you, you're building up gold, jewels, and precious stones. You're building up treasure in heaven. So that's why you should bless your enemies. <laughs> Hebrews 6 and verse 10. Hebrews 6, 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget or overlook your labor and the love which you have shown for his name's sake in ministering to the needs of the saints and his, his own consecrated people as you still do. God is not unrighteous to forget or overlook your labor and the love you have shown. James 1 and verse 12 says, blessed and happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. There's a crown waiting for you if you'll obey God. Let's look at Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 through 21. 
For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted rooted, rooted, deep in love. We've gotta dig out the roots that are in the things of the world and the works of the flesh. Dig those roots out, but we need to put our roots down deep in God's love. Be rooted deep in love. You know, it's very hard to pull a tree out when it's got very deep roots. You might maybe be able to chop it off at the top, but you won't be able to pull it out of the ground. So you want your roots in God to go down very deep very deep in the love of God. So be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. The deeper the roots go, the more secure the tree is. That you may, may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it? That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ. God wants you to know for yourself. I can tell you how much he loves you. I can tell you how much he loves me and then I walk with him. But you have to come to know his love in your life for yourself. Amen. And I know this. I know that every time that I've submitted my life to him under the anointing in his presence and I said, Lord, come in, touch me, change me. You know what he did? He wrapped his arms around me and I felt him love on me. So you have to invite his love into your, into your life and into your heart by opening up. Open up in the services. When God's anointing is there, open up to him. You can do it at home too, but it's so much easier when you're in the presence of God already to open up. And when you do, what he's gonna do, he's gonna wrap his arms around you and you're gonna know how much he loves you. You might have come out of a lot of rejection in your life and you, and you have a hard time grasping this. The only way that you're gonna get it into your heart is to meditate on the scripture. Meditate, meditate, say it, speak it, confess it, meditate on it. and before long, it's gonna just drop down, shunk, and your eyes will be open and you'll see and you'll begin to experience it. Once it's revealed to you, you will experience it and God wants you to know by experience. So these people that all say, you shouldn't have experiences are talking from, from the mouth of the devil because God wants us to experience him. We experience everything else in this life. I mean, people experience drugs and all the other things that people experience in this life that I'm not gonna mention, why can't we experience God? We must experience Him. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge. Your head cannot begin to receive and understand the love that God has for you. Which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled through, your, through all your being, spirit, soul, and body, unto the fullness of God, that you may have the richest 
measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. How many of you want everything is God? I mean, you want all of him. You want to sense it. I mean, I know there's some of you, you're so hungry for the anointing. You want to you feel it. You want to enter in. You want his presence in your life. You want to know it. He, he's he's going to do it as you press in. He's going to do it for you. And you're going to You've got to, as you stay hungry, as you press in, and some of you have even been in revival for years and you've been pressing in, but of course, we are a work in progress and he's got more to do in us. And, and so, that, but that's our goal. We might not get fully there before we're taken off into heaven to be with him, but you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna make it our great quest and we're gonna keep heading in that direction. And every year we're gonna be more like him. We're gonna know him more. We're gonna have more of him on the inside of us. We're gonna have the richest measure of his divine presence on the inside of us. Now to him who by and in consequence of the action of his power that is in work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen, so be it. So God, is able, as you press in, he is gonna do, super, I mean, you have a certain expectation you have certain desires that you've asked of him, but he is gonna far exceed what, what you have asked for, what you have even imagined. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, God did not give you your imagination to use for fleshly reasons. God did not give you your imaginations to look at pornography on the internet. God did not give you your imagination to, to devise ways to rob people and steal from people and get away with it. God did not give you your imagination for destruction for yours or for someone else's. God gave you your imagination to imagine everything that he has for you. God gave you your imagination so that you can picture in your mind and in your heart what he has for you and attach your faith to it. We have to imagine we have to see ourselves doing it and believe it and speak it and head toward it before we can actually be doing it. Whatever you have for the future, whatever God has for you now, he's forming a picture on the inside of you. You're starting to see it. When I first met Pastor Rodney, he was 19 years old and I was 18 and he was talking about arenas. Well, we didn't see that for, you know, 15 years or on the way to 20 years, but you know what? We did see it but that picture was in our heart. We had to imagine it. And in the beginning, honestly, I couldn't imagine it. I was like, maybe you can do that. I can't see myself doing that. Not where I was at at that time. But of course, God did a work in my heart. And I, st I stood and I've preached in the arenas and to, to the tens of thousands of people because, only because of his grace and because of his plan and his purpose. And so God will do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can imagine. First John, 2.15, 1 John 2.15, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. The things of the world are gonna be competing for your love for God. You're gonna have the, the girls that wanna, you know, I'll say, hello boys, here we are. Let me tell you, if those girls didn't get paid a heck of a lot of money, they wouldn't be doing that. It's just the love of money in their life that they would compromise, and they're not happy. They have the highest suicide rate, they're miserable people. They're not happy doing that. 
you know, the greed, the, just the things, the, the lusts of the flesh, the pride of life, just things in the world that, that wanna suck you away from Jesus. The more you follow after those things, the more you give your attention, your time, and your love to those things, the less that you have for God. You, the Bible says you can't love God and things, mammon. You can't love God and mammon. There's no place for both. It's one or the other. We have to make a choice. We have to make a choice. That's why, you know, we, we really try and stir your faith up in the area of giving and offering because it has as much to do with your your prosperity in the natural and your blessing and for and in that way for, for the extension of the kingdom of God as it has to do with your heart. Because when you, your, your seed is the only proof that you've mastered your greed. Your seed is the only proof you've mastered your greed. So when you can give, and love is the most givingest thing that you can do. Love is the most unselfish thing that you can do. Amen. Amen. Romans 8 and verse 31 through 39. Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies, that is, who puts us in right relation to himself? Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us, who is there to condemn us? Will Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who died, or rather, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? So he's saying, who is there? Who's the accuser of the brethren? It's the devil. You know, when people preach judgment and God, you know, God's angry and God's mad at you and you're a sinner and you need a law and they're, they're, they, sh they preach this angry, judgmental God who's gonna squash you like a bug if you don't bow your knee right now. The scripture just says, who's, who, who's there to accuse us? Who's there? As a believer, there's a, you know, there's, there's a lot of people beating, a lot of ministers, they beat up on their congregation every Sunday, and, and, and the most surprising thing of all is people come back for another dose. <laughs> and they, they just sit under judgment and condemnation. And you know, we've had people come, and, and Pastor Rodney preaches against sin, he does, he preaches against it, but he's, he's not gonna come with judgment and condemnation on you because that's not scriptural, we can't do that. The Holy Spirit must bring conviction. We can put the word out there and say, this is what the word says, and then, but it's the Holy Spirit that convicts your heart. And the Bible says, you know, if, if your heart doesn't condemn you, you have freedom before the Lord, you know? But if God's speaking to you, then, then you know, there's, there's an issue, I have to deal with it. And not dealing with it is not good because you keep, if you don't deal with it, you have to keep pushing the Holy Spirit away. But God's not accusing you, God's not judging you. If you've asked him to forgive you, if you washed clean, God is the one who's on your side. He's on your side, he's on your side, he's not against you. I mean, he went to all that trouble for you. He's not gonna be, he, he went to all that trouble, sent Jesus to acquit you. Why is he gonna condemn you? So who shall separate us? 
You need to meditate on this scripture. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Verse 35. Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or or destitution or peril or sword, even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amid all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. In the middle of all these things, we are more than conquerors. And gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things impending, nor threatening and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I never understood how someone could give up their life for the gospel when, when I first got saved, how someone could be a martyr and be, and be happy to be martyred. You know why? Because they have a revelation of how much God loves them. Nothing, tribulation, I mean, uh, Paul talks about all the things he went through and Paul's thought in the flesh was not an illness or an eye disease. Nowhere in the word does it give that evidence. That's theologians just sucked stuff from all over the place and made it up. He mentions what, what his problems were. It was persecution. It was, it was being shipwrecked. It was being beaten. It was having no food. It was suffering in the flesh, suffering things for the gospel's sake. Why did he keep doing it? Because he knew how much God loved him. He had a revelation. You have to have a revelation of how much God loves you. If, you, if God can have a chance of using you in the ministry, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Nothing is gonna separate you from God. Paul was persuaded beyond doubt of God's love for him. And we need to come to that revelation ourselves of how much that God loves and adores us and wants the best for us. And, and we've, as we've already learned, it's, have you heard of a vicious cycle? Well, this is a precious cycle of as we learn how much he loves us and we step out in faith because it's by faith. When you start walking in love, it's by faith. Many of the times you're operating in love, you're doing it by faith. You're trusting God because he said, if I do this, he'll, you know, it's the right thing to do, and he just said, I don't understand with my head, I would much rather fight back at this person, and God's telling me to walk in love, I'm gonna trust him. It's a step of faith, and as you step out in faith, and you begin to walk the love walk, you get to know him more, and as you get to know him more, so you realize how much he loves you more, and it's just, the cycle just keeps going. You, you, you keep learning how much, as you walk in love, you learn how much he loves you, and as you realize how much he loves you, you it's easier for you to make the decision to walk in love, and as you walk in love, you get to know him better, and you know how much he loves you, and when you know how much he loves you, it's easy to love everybody else. <laughs> Amen, and it just, it just grows and increases and continues in our life until we see him face to face and we'll be like him, amen. And so that's God's plan and purpose for you, not just that you get saved and then barely make it into heaven, but that you get saved and that his life and nature is reproduced on the inside of you, that you become more and more like him, that you walk like him, you talk like him, you operate like him, you function like him, you show forth his glory, you, that, that he wants to empower you with the anointing, he wants to empower you with the gifts of the spirit, he wants to, 
drop a calling on you of, of eloquence and, and, and anointed speech to where maybe, maybe in the natural you stutter, but you get up to speak and you're eloquent. And that's just, just the Holy Spirit flowing through you. And he wants to do that in, in your life. And he wants you to have this revelation of how much he loves you. He wants you to have the revelation of how critical it is and how important it is for your own life your eternal life, that you don't judge other people, that you forgive, that you don't hold grudges, and you walk in love, and that as God anoints you and uses you in the gifts, as you love people, the gifts flow out on that wave of love, and they come out like God wants them to, and they touch people as God wants them to, and they have the effect that God wants them to do, because any of the gifts without love can hurt people. You know, people can prophesy things out of the flesh that hurt people, amen. And, and, if you, and people will prophesy, or they'll say, say it's a prophecy and really they just, I, I've seen a lot of pastors prophesy someone out of their church because they just didn't want them anymore so they prophesied them into an evangelistic ministry or something and right out of the will of God. Well, you know what, you didn't love that person and you've been, you, you operating under some other spirit, amen. And so if you love people, you're not gonna manipulate them, you're not gonna use the gifts to manipulate people, you're not gonna use the gifts to make yourself more important or better than anybody else. You're gonna, you're gonna be a servant, you're gonna prefer, you're gonna love. Your, your whole aim, let me tell you, the root, what God's called you to do, God has called you to meet the needs of people. And the only way you're gonna do that is by loving them.